All right, Moving Radio fans, as you know, we love to talk about the Oscars, and we had a roundtable with myself, Mark Davies, and Lucas Anders. I had a little bit of microphone problems. So unfortunately, when you listen to this, you're going to be like, why does Christian Zip sound so terrible compared to Mark and Lucas? Well, in a nutshell, microphone issues. So please, still enjoy this conversation, because I still think it's worthwhile, even though I sound terrible compared to them. Oh, friends, it's one of those magical times in Studio A when we actually have everyone... Wait a second. We do not have the entire movie radio crew here. Almost everybody is here gathered in one room. On my left is Lucas Anders. Hey. To my right is one and only Mark Davies. Towering Inferno Mark Davies. Tonight was supposed to be historical... We'd all be in one room, and believe it or not, I've probably recorded a good 10 segments with Lindsay, and I was going to meet her for the first time tonight, and it didn't happen, unfortunately. Well, this is the moving radio life. It's okay, though. Now, it's because we're obsessed about awards season. It's happening right now. It's all the big ones. It's the Oscars in particular. Look, we're not going to say that this is one of those award shows that are incredibly meaningful or that it's better than anything else, but it's we're a movie show. Of course, we're going to end up talking about that. But listen, people, we are not going to go through every single nominee because that is an entire three-hour show. And maybe another podcast you might listen to somewhere else. We like to keep it efficient. What we will be talking about is some things like our favorite acting nomination. It could be supporting, it could be lead, it could be anything. We're going to talk about our favorite sound and visual effects films, what blew you away visually. We're also going to talk about what's your favorite screenplay nomination. Could be adapted, could be original. We're going to talk about best picture, and that could probably include best director and some other visual things about the film. And also, we should all probably talk about the biggest Oscars oversight. It could be a nomination. It could be something like, oh, I hate this about the Oscars. It could be something that you were upset that didn't get nominated. It's up to you. We're going to talk about all those things today. We should be honest. I do a lot of research, but there are some films it's been tough to see, folks. To say I've seen 100% of the films this year would be a lie. Of course, we are working at a moderate disadvantage. Not everything is even screened in Edmonton necessarily, but we're going to do our best to fill in the gaps for you, the people. Because I'm willing to bet most of you listening also haven't seen every single one of those movies. Maybe 50%, maybe less. I think that's a pretty good ratio if I'm you. To get us all started off, I'm going to go to my right. First, let's talk about actors. So, Mark Davies, who is your favorite actor that got nominated this year at the Oscars? Yes, we haven't seen every single a movie that's been nominated. But I will say, just quick shout out to Wikipedia, because usually 60% of the time I can click on a link on the movie and they tell me who the distributor is. And sometimes I get lucky, like Netflix is the distributor and I can watch some of the short films. So if you need to put in that hardcore work, go to Wikipedia. I'm going to go with, when it comes to favorite acting performance, I actually really enjoyed, now I'm going to say, I don't know if I loved the movie The Fablemans, Um, It felt a bit uneven at times, but it certainly was well done. But I would have to kind of say the neurotic, unattached, but passionate performance from Michelle Williams, uh, playing the mom of kind of a, you know, a Steven Spielberg or a young Steven Spielberg. You know, the one scene that kind of comes to mind when I think of that film is, and 
you know, we should say that there is a bit of spoilers. We're not giving the whole plot here, but um, there is a confrontation between her and Spielberg uh, that results in some uh, very, um, it's a bit of a physical confrontation. And I, that scene really kind of rings heavy in my head. And so I, I thought she did a great job. Um, I don't know off the top of my head if she's won before. I believe she has picked up some hardware uh, for a previous film, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But that's kind of the one that stood out to me. So uh, for everybody, if you haven't seen Michelle Williams in The Fablemans, uh, that was the one performance that kind of stood out to me uh, right now at this stage until I watch all the other five films. All right, all right. Lucas Sanders, who would be nabbing your favorite performance this year in films not this is not the winners. Don't be putting money down on these picks. In my heart, uh, I'm looking at Michelle Yeoh and saying, wow, did she ever kill that film? Like she's in terms of like just having her own multiverse and creating all these different characters that you just gravitate towards her performance. Like to me had a lot of strength in that we saw pretty much every facet of Michelle Yeoh in terms of like, her range as an actor. So I thought she put in a strong performance as well as like her co-stars kind of elevated. She brought uh, a lot of, of what was amazing about the, the film, but I'm just saying like the cast around her was pretty incredible too. And kind of like going on a, this adventure through all these parallel universes. And I think it was like a nice twist on that Marvel kind of universe, you know, trying to kind of, I guess emulate that, but also but also do it in a smart way. Uh, some of the kind of the elements that come in are are fantastic, and I really enjoyed her performance. So I think and hope that she uh, like she's got some love in the other award shows. So I think maybe she'll prob- she may grab this award. Oh, I think so for sure. I'm gonna kind of go along with you as well. I'd have to say what surprised me the most. It kind of came out of left field. I'm going to go with Ki-Hu Kwong as Michelle Yeoh's husband as Best Supporting Actor. It's so refreshing to see somebody that you haven't seen in forever and that you're almost about the same age as because you saw him as a child when you were growing up in Goonies and uh, obviously uh, Temple of Doom. That was a performance where I just felt like the way that he supported his own wife throughout that whole story and how that really their relationship evolves, the relationship with the daughter that's really at the crux of the film, but also you have all this madness happening around him and the physicality of the role, then the emotion of it. I just thought that was probably the most fun for me, at least, or maybe the most memorable film this year. Uh, I can't even get to what's so like my second or third. I'm just going to go with that one because otherwise I'd be talking about way too many performances. So maybe you've got your favorites. You can always try to hit us up on social media. I know people love to talk to us on social media. I don't demand that from you people. You can keep me at arm's length. It's okay. Moving on to the next category here. This time, I'm going to go to my left. We're going to start with Lucas Anders. We talked about the ASCII nominations. Let's talk about what was your favorite sound and visual effects film experience. Not the categories necessarily as much. It's just like maybe the film that you had that give you the most intense, immersive, exciting experience for you? Again, not the winner, just the most exciting one. Uh, so for me, when I looked at uh, a lot of these films, 
you know, everything everywhere all at once was some, definitely one that came up. But in terms of like a film that really struck me, and I think, you know, it is typical of award season to kind of go towards like a war type film, but that uh, all quiet on the Western front, there was just something like visually fantastic about this film. Also, it, you know, it, it's very heavy, uh, obviously with the theme of war and, and uh, the great war at that and, from a German perspective, which was kind of really interesting. I know it's been done before, you know, this is a reimagining of it, but uh, just the sound and paired with uh, the visual kind of really struck me. Uh, some of the, cause it's very jarring. It has drums and there's like just different kind of musical instruments kind of thrown at you. It sounds very like in your face uh, in terms of creation of war and and building kind of suspense throughout this film and and this idea of you know the excitement of young men going to war and then them finding out it really isn't what it's cut out to be but uh, I definitely felt visually along with the sound it really created a a picture for me that uh, although like I said (laughs) a very bleak picture but uh, you know visually you know, the landscapes of of Europe, there's just something magical about it as well, alongside war. Check it out. It's getting quite a bit of publicity. And if you saw 1917, uh, it's close to that. I guess there's a lot of comparisons there. Um, But it's just not a one-shot film like 1917 was. It's tough for me. I look at those war films. I would have loved to have not seen it on my tablet, but at the same time, those kind of films do tend to kind of win. And the war movies are going to be played from the end of time. Mark, what do you think? Best visual sound experience for you? What did you think? You know, sometimes I think when we talk about the Oscars, we go too heavy. So this is my way of going heavy, but in a passionate way. And there's nothing more I love in films than a great nightclub scene. And some of my favorite nightclub scenes ever was from Spike Lee's 25th Hour, where they're rocking on the dance floor. I love Miami Vice, uh, the Michael Mann film nightclub scene. Scarface, I love a nightclub scene. And that's this is a way of saying that I'm an old man. I don't hit the clubs anymore. So I can only live it through it through the movies. And I loved this visual effects of the Batman. And the nightclub scene is when the Batman goes to do some investigation work. He goes to this nightclub called the Iceberg. And the music's just um, blaring. He walks in, everybody's a bit scandally clad, everybody's dancing, and then, you know, the rogue gangsters come up to him and he starts flinging them over the the railings and he jumps from one um, basically level to another. And you you can also tell, too, the iceberg probably wasn't a constructed set. A lot of it probably was green screen as well. What's the problem? He says he wants to see the penguin. Penguin? You know penguin, yeah. That's what I tried to tell him. Get out of here, freak. You hear me? That little suit's gonna get all full of blood. Mine are yours. So I'm giving a shout out to the best visual effects for the Batman. I don't think it'll win. I'd probably think Top Gun or Avatar probably have that um, position held down. But like I said, if, if I can get that feeling of euphoria that I'm at the nightclub, you know, with, you know, talking to some girls or with my homies, that's probably the best way to go. So shout out to the Batman visual effects. Definitely had some strong elements of visually though. It like did, I, didn't I it? Agree right? with you on that for sure. I'm going to mention one that you mentioned as well. And that is 
Top Gun Maverick. I felt like that film, in a lot of ways, was maybe the thing that started audiences starting to come back to the theaters at the beginning of the summer. And, and maybe Batman in the springtime. But I think Top Gun Maverick being in theaters for as long as it was kind of gave people that recognition again to be like, this is what it's like to go back to the theater. And I love that it pulled on all those little tiny heartstrings that a, a tiny Christian Zepp saw in junior high. I wasn't in love with the film, but I did love the experience of it. And it took me back to that day and time. But it also took filmmaking in this type of film uh, to another level. The way that the cockpit scenes are filmed, the way that the fight scenes are filled, it kind of took what Tony Scott had and, uh, and really enveloped you. And it felt like you were inside the film. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Well, I just want to say, too, I actually listened to a podcast with the director, Joseph Kaczynski, and he actually, from my understanding uh, verbatim, he said they had over seven hours, sorry, 700 hours of footage with the number of cameras that were mounted inside the planes. And he said, you know, it wasn't about um, kind of um, exploitation of having as much film as he could, but he had to really scientifically break down what shots he wanted from those cameras. So I can, I I certainly see where you're going at with the uh, best visual effects of Top Gun Maverick. Absolutely. I think they also did a lot of technical work. Like they actually went through training. They did. I think it was similar to their first experience, but uh, they did a lot of the technical side of things uh, pretty to the T, I guess, in terms of like what military looks like in terms of the Air Force and and what they would need to do to to get through the Top Gun program. But yeah, it uh, definitely plays on that nostalgia for sure of Little Zip. Also, not being overly jingoistic and uh, unabashedly Americana, it's a little more mature. And it's all about Maverick's Evo out of control and how he's dealing with decades of bad behavior, probably. Let's talk about best screenplay nominations. This would be adapted or original. Who got the best nomination for that? Mark Davies. Well, I'd have to go with uh, best original screenplay of the Banshees of Inishirin. At the heart of the film is uh, a relationship between two gentlemen that seems to go astray. But what actually I found was most poignant and most actually indirect during the film was how they set it in the backdrop of the Irish Civil War. And certainly I have to do a bit more of my own research on what was occurring during those times. But this film just, I mean, just felt so original in terms of the relationship between Colin and um, Gleason. And I just, you know, certainly about halfway through the film, for all you haven't seen it yet, it certainly goes uh, 90 degrees in a different direction, which I wasn't expecting. And yet it felt that it earned that 90 degrees. It didn't felt that it was uh, cheating us out of the experience of the film. So this movie, I I don't want to say much more about it in case you haven't seen it, but certainly who thought that a friendship between two gentlemen could uh, bring such a unique film? Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. I 
and you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. Did you like me yesterday? Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. I know I'm, I'm sharing a lot of love for everything, everywhere, all at once, but I just feel like it's, it's original in the way that it uh, approaches that whole, you know, multiverse of Michelle Yeoh and, and uh, building that universe. And, and I think the characters come to life, and I don't know if that really has to do with the actors, but I think some of the writing uh, involved in it really and, and visually pulls you in and all the different kind of worlds that you visit in in the universe of everything everywhere all at once i think for me it felt original it felt fresh um i definitely enjoyed uh going on an adventure on in terms of that screenplay i'm gonna go outside with you lucas and i like the duo of dnd daniel and daniel man what an absolute trip it was and i can respect because i just saw banshees relatively recently as well and I do love Martin McDonough as well. I love tonally where he was going with that film. And he's already won an Academy Award for Three Billboards. That film, as much as Banshees was really intimate, I felt like everything, everywhere, all at once was bold and broad. Uh, but at the same time, it also told an incredibly intimate story at the same time. So to kind of balance that is really incredible. I think to juggle that is a really complex thing to do. You have multi-universes, hot deck fingers, talking rocks. I'm going to go with everything, everywhere, all at once. Favorite screenplay of the year by far. Okay, we're going to go to the next category. Favorite best picture. This is nice because we got so many to talk about. As much as best director isn't necessarily something we're talking about, that's something you can definitely refer to in your response. So let's go back to you, Lucas. What is your favorite best picture of the year? This one was really hard to kind of nail down. And, and obviously, yeah, you and me, Zip, kind of battle on, on the front of like picking nominees and, and trying to get as many points as possible in our pools. But uh, this is a situation where I'd, there there's so many blockbusters in here. And then you find that for yourself that you're wondering like what where are they going to go like i'm having a hard time with this one because i i it's definitely in our conversations that we had between uh, everything er everywhere all at once and then i'm having a hard time deciding actually banshees of insurance i'm just gonna go for everything everywhere all at once i know i'm sending i'm spending so much love on this but i hope that i'm i'm right <laughs> down the road you're right. Like the rock, there's just so many different like elements within this story. When they're kind of fighting in the garden, <laughs> there's some pretty bizarre bizarre stuff that happens. I don't really want to like reveal. No, <laughs> yes, there's some surprises in the film for sure. But Jamie Lee Curtis, come on, that performance, like she just pulls you in as that HR person. <laughs> there's just something magical about. Uh, Every performance in that is, it just has a level that pulls you in 
um, makes you smile sometimes, makes you laugh. And, and even your, your uh, mention about the daughter, this relationship, you just get so invested in, you know, seeing where this is going to go between the mother and daughter. You know, will they repair this relationship? Will they find peace? That, that's my pick. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. All right, I'm going to go hot take here. I don't think Avatar should have been nominated for Best Picture or Best Director. If you want to see a film about whales, I suggest that there's probably a lot of documentaries that you can find on any streaming service. And if you want to see a climax scene where the kids keep getting kidnapped, I suggest go back to the film 2006 Poseidon, which starred uh, Kurt Russell back in the day. This film felt way too long, and it just felt too calculated. I get it. We love special effects. I get it. It's Big Dick Jim. But this film, to me, shouldn't have been nominated in either Best Picture or Best Director. I am actually baffled why it actually ended up on the list. But that being said, that's my hot sports take. The film that, I, once again, that I think should win Best Picture that felt original to me was The Banshees of Inishirin. And I also actually, honorable mention, I don't think it'll win, but Tar is right up there. I think, you know, I'd like to, I think it's probably battling for bronze. Uh, actually, I think Banshees and I think Everything Everywhere All at Once are kind of the two front runners. And I think Tar is the third nomination. So hot sports take, get Avatar out of there. I'd like to see Banshees win it all. You want to dance the mask, you must service the composer. If you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tar is many things. As a conductor, Tarr began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. In 2013, Berlin elected Tarr as its principal conductor, and she's remained there ever since. Lydia Tarr has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 EGOTs, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for joining us, Maestro. Thank you. How's the writing going? I suggest, listeners, that you check out Tarr, uh, Todd Field's movie. He hasn't done one for a while. Totally worthwhile. But for me... I'm going to hate to feel like I'm a broken record here saying the same thing over and over again. But I'm going to go with everything, everywhere, all at once. For all the reasons that I've said before. Uh, I maybe thought I was going to pick an outside one that I might want to give it to. It's a film that I haven't seen yet. It's Women Talking. I have not seen it yet. Sarah Polly, big fan of hers. Very excited to see what she comes up with. I feel like that maybe might steal a little glory for me. Uh, that would be my outside dream choice. All right, so the last thing we're going to talk about here that Mark has already kind of alluded to is clearly got some anger towards James Cameron and how well his PR company does for him. What is the biggest Oscars oversight? This could be nomination trends. This could be issues with the Academy itself. It could be the presentation ceremony. What's the biggest gripe you have? that is an oversight with the Oscars or something you want to improve. 
Well, I actually, the reason I was looking forward to Lindsay coming in this evening was uh, I saw her review of Babylon on Letterboxd, uh, the famous app. It's kind of a film enthusiastic uh, app for everybody out there. Download it. Uh, please follow us. But she did not like the film, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm saying if Paramount's willing to give uh, Damien Chazelle $80 million to make an art house film but turn it into a genre flick for the massive audiences, uh, I'm all down for it. And the film hasn't done too well. I was hoping it would get that Best Picture nomination so that it would help build up the profits. But it got some love and uh, Best uh, Compositions, I believe, from Best Original Score. But unfortunately, Lindsay is in here tonight, so we couldn't battle it out. But but I was I was disappointed by that. So that was kind of me. Give eighty million to people like Damien Chazelle, even if the film's still bomb. I want to see more films like that. Uh, with Mark here, in terms of Avatar, uh, there's so many problems with that film, especially like the indigenous kind of. He almost kind of stole for stories from people. Is is kind of how I feel. But I'm not going to touch on that too much because. I think a great thing that kind of came out of it, a lot of people were like pointing, these are, are indigenous stories that you can uh, see and yeah. highlighting other films and for filmmakers. sure, filmmakers. Yeah, so I think that's something that may be good that came out of it. And Jimmy Kimmel again? I would say maybe for me this year, the biggest problem is that we made some steps forward in having more women directors nominated again. Um, I understand it's not going to happen every year, but there were potentially women that could have been nominated here. Let's take, for example, someone like Sarah Polly could have been nominated. And I think that maybe it also shows that, that even though things have been trending slightly upward, it's still not equitable yet. Lindsay Campbell has been tracking every single female director out of all the movies that she's seen. And I know that it hasn't been that significant of a jump, particularly when it comes to studio-based films. So one of the biggest things for me is that I would love to see studios continue to commit to what they say they're going to do with diversity, not only with people of color, but also with female directors as well. Step backwards maybe this year when it comes to women with regards to directing nominations and beyond actors. I think you want to see a person like Sarah Polly elevated, especially, you know, being a bit of a homer, liking the Canadian Canadian artist. It was all waiting to happen before it happened. You could look back and follow the breadcrumbs along the path that led to violence. When we looked back, it had been everywhere. It is a part of our faith to forgive. We will be forced to leave the colonies if we do not forgive these men. None of you will listen to reason. We know that we've not imagined these attacks. We know that we are bruised and terrified. Hope for the unknown is good. It is better than hatred of the familiar. Seeing that her film is being recognized but not her, it kind of, it does feel a little bit. There should be something there, but there isn't. I can't wait. If that film wins, Francis McDonald will make a speech, and I want to see that. Speaking of homerism, too, let's not forget uh, the Edmonton International Film Festival. They did show the best animated short, An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake, and I think I believe it. Uh, they showed that during the lunch ba- Lunchbox shorts, so 
Uh, and I do believe the Edmonton International Film Festival also shows um, some screenings of all the short films together closer to the date of the Oscars. So we got to show some love to EIFF because they always show a lot of love back to moving radio. Also as well, we have the short film, The Flying Sailor, animated short that has also been nominated for an Oscar. And uh, we talked to the directors of that short film around EIFF. So you can find it on any of our streaming platforms where we have old episodes of moving radio. I'm excited to see the big awards ceremony. I always look forward to it. And there's nothing better than four hours, maybe plus on a Sunday, sitting on my couch, debating about what should happen, how happy we are it happened, and listening to some amazing speeches. Shed a few tears. Mark Davies, always good to see you. Thank you. I'm going to hit the nightclubs right now. Fantastic. And Luke Sanders, where are you going instead of a nightclub? I'm running off to a reading of a play. Excellent. And I am going to edit this piece. Gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And happy awards season, friends. Check out all the fantastic films that you possibly can.